Welcome to Radio Survivor. We're here for the love of radio and sound. I'm Paul Reismandel. Hello, everybody. My name is Eric Klein. And we're going to talk about sound today. There's been some news in podcasting land. And you mean radio on the internet that's on demand? Exactly. Uh, however you want to put it. And and for those who who don't know, I do work a day job in the podcasting industry. So it's something that I, I do follow. And, and I, I have to actually note that I owe Radio Survivor for having a job in the podcasting industry. It is the fact that I was observing podcasting and writing about it at radiosurvivor.com uh, going back nearly six years ago. And one of the few people looking at it from a business angle, hmm. the business of podcasting, trying to understand the political economy of podcasting, that uh, that work got the attention of Earwolf and Midroll co-founder um, Jeff Ulrich, who eventually hired me to work there. And I've been working there ever since. We yeah. are now known as Stitcher. My favorite way to tell people about that origin story. I hope you don't mind if I if I blab. You but, may. Um, you Paul Reismandel was a guest on a podcast that nobody listened to about the <laughs> no, business of like, podcasting. Like, like, like a thousand people. Yeah, who all I'm gave sorry to say, a nobody. very big hoot. There, the point was was there's this there was this comedy podcasting network that had some very popular shows. Some of the some of the coolest podcasts of the previous decade. Uh, when the space was lo- a lot less crowded, uh, and I was a big fan of those those podcasts, and then this podcasting network, Earwolf, had one show about the business of podcasting that was called the Wolf Den. That was so much like mind blowingly boring compared to all of the comedy, all of the if fun, you fun, were, fun. Well, not boring, right? Like it, adult, yes, like adult, le- boring, but in a way, like boring is not a bad I thing mean, to, for a radio show to be. Alex Bloomberg in the weeds, we, uh, you know, uh, of, um, of Gimlet fame, of of Planet Money fame, right. of This American Life fame, credits listening to the Wolf Den for helping him launch uh, his networking company. Yeah, it was great. It was, you know, talking about it now in 2019 makes it seem it's it's a little bit silly. But in 2009, when Wolf Den would have been founded, roughly, I don't know. No, many years later. 2012. Sometime around that, that, that era of podcasting being so brand new on the earth, to have a podcast that was about the business of podcasting was it's itself a very uh a fresh a fresh idea Mm -hmm. like original and and, and that's not even why he started it and it and what was what made it great was it wasn't just two guys who liked podcasts talking about podcasts every day every week was a new guest yeah and that's what it developed something completely different than the last person who came on and those people gosh can people hear these Episodes. Yeah, they are all there. We I think we've took them out from behind the paywall. That's actually, great. I think actively now, um, it's historically speaking, the history of podcast is all Alex there. Bloomberg yeah. talking about his ideas for starting a podcast network before he did. And uh, that podcast network for people who aren't insiders is called be Gimlet Gimlet, which was recently purchased by Spotify, Spotify for multi 200 million dollar yes that's um, kind of the biggest paycheck in podcasting last year uh within the last year yeah, yeah. um it was this year but so paul reismandel was a guest on the wolf den <laughs> and following uh being interviewed by his future boss he was hired to work in podcasting. yes um big big podcast so just kind of radio uh, survivor came first yes the, the the radio show that you are listening to now the podcast that you're listening to now was a few weeks old before 
Paul's giving me a quizzical look because we got to look at a calendar. I don't think that's true. It there. No, it's not true. It's a. It there's a there's a fuzzy line. No, I, there isn't. But I okay. So we we weren't on the air. Okay. But I had met you and we were talking oh, about doing the show. Okay. Like yeah. No, we started talking about the show. It was close. Very yes. No, I agree. It was like simultaneously close. In I think fuzzy we first way. we first met probably about the fall of 20 and, uh, and even though they weren't recorded and they didn't go out on the air right. either on it the internet or on the radio our initial conversations about launching a podcast called radio survivor the those conversations were basically episode negative one and episode negative two Fair enough they, they they felt pretty much the same as you and i having coffee and sitting in front of microphones anyway uh, Paul works in podcasting at mid-roll. Yeah, it's just it, I want to lay out why I know these things, why I follow them. And, and also want to lay out that I've been following right. the news around podcasting since the founding of Radio Survivor and before that. So going back to 2009 and earlier. Not to mention your 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 roots in community radio, in college radio, and your podcast before the RSS technology was invented. Your on-demand streaming radio Program that was also a, a college radio station. No, no, it was community radio community station radio at WEFT in Champaign Urbana. It was called Media Geek. You yeah. can find it still, the archives at radio.mediageek.net. From the year 2000. Right? From the year 2002. Which is, which, is a, which is a handful of months prior to this uh, whole thing yeah. they call podcasts. I would uh, post them up available. online and then it, I syndicated it, much in the way that Radio Survivor is now syndicated to non commercial stations that wish to right. air it. Right, right, right. So anyway. Uh, anyway, but and the reason why we talk about podcasting here at Radio Survivor is because radio on the internet. It is radio on the internet because it is also a very accessible medium. It's very easy to get started in, um, and as interest in audiences grow, we see that that's a more manifest opportunity for more voices, yeah. more diversity. Some people get worried. They say, oh, all these big companies are coming in and spending a lot of money and they're squeezing us out. Well, because we've if if you're from Gen X, you've seen and I mean, if you're or a millennial who studies history, you, you've seen how bad things can go for a cool industry when the money shows up. Yeah, yeah, you're worried like, you know, when you're when you're when your favorite band in the 90s uh, got a major label contract and yeah. it never seemed to be the same afterwards. Or like when the city that you enjoyed living in, working part time and being in a band all of a sudden gets cool enough that uh, the condos show up and the now now you can't afford to live there anymore. Right. So can podcasts get gentrified when when Spotify and and iHeartMedia show up? You know, and and, and, the, and the answer is no, it's not a zero sum game. It's not a zero sum game. There's yeah. an infinite it's not like the radio dial. It's not like real estate in your cool city. There's enough space for everyone to have a podcast. It's just an attention economy, really. It really is. And, and you know, podcasts can take up that time that people might listen to radio, can yeah. take up, you know, listen to broadcast terrestrial radio, can take up that time that uh, they might listen to music. And in many cases, I think for a lot of people, it takes up, it's fresh. Like, I don't even know that it's a zero-sum game on attention because when I've talked to folks who've gotten recently turned on to podcasts, often they're like, Oh, it was great because you know, I like to garden or yeah. I would do it. I like to walk or it took up, you know, when I really wasn't having anything occupying my attention. <laughs> Someday we'll talk about the, we found something to occupy my a, attention as a parent of a podcasting fan who is also a uh, middle school teenager. Sometimes I'm like, man, 
sometimes it's okay to have nothing right in your head. Sure, it's nice to have nothing, but that's that's not that's not how the podcast industry needs it. I'm gonna have a podcast that's all silence, and I'm gonna sell it as the mindfulness podcast, and it's just gonna be like, hi everybody. Like you might not you, be the first one. You're, you you are welcome to just turn everything off here. I'm just gonna give you. I'm gonna give you 45 minutes of. Of silence. This listen, forty-five listen seconds the, of silence is brought to minutes. you by yeah. a mattress in a box. Um, you know, another funny thing about podcasts these days is I think that radio people, if you're listening to our voices either as a podcast or on the radio on a low power FM or a community radio station around the country, you're a radio person. You like radio. You've you've been listening to the radio in your life. There are some people on uh, in in our culture now that aren't radio people, especially the youngsters. And now podcasts come along and sort of teach them how to listen, mm-hmm. and that's so. Uh, and teach them how to listen to, I think, a form that, in many ways, lie dormant. Yeah, you know, talk radio of sorts, both news talk, you know, so whether it's strict news, yeah, uh, topical discussion. Um, or into the sort of more kind of uh, form of of talk that that is sort of all over the place, magazine style, was sort of in recession. Yeah, and from through the eighties and culturally, 90s. yeah, culturally, or, or like um, yeah, the literature of talk radio. I like to call it. I, I yeah. like to think about it that way, where people are they're not maybe they're not as smart as uh, Faulkner, right? But they're 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 thinking out loud. They're writing with their voices, and if you if you think about the whole universe of talk radio i think about it as like a body of work even though it's so ephemeral it's not it's it's mostly missing when from i was the like in my record. early 20s yeah i didn't know a single peer who listened to public radio who who said hmm. i listened to npr yeah um it wasn't until i was older that i start to meet some folks who did and it was the sense that something like all things considered wasn't for us yeah it was for people who were 45 driving their Volvos College to graduate, work. you know, yeah, upper middle. And a very musty sort of sense. And I think that indeed the programming itself was kind of musty. And it wasn't until sort of a, a new guard of public radio producers like Ira Glass, who, who began practicing his craft with This American Life in 1995. But at the time, I mean, we I, we say that he, he it really was avant-garde. Um, it, right. people complained about his voice. They complained about his style. Yeah. A he, lot of program too, directors said, um, would not take yeah. it on. It, you know, I think another thing that to think about is the, as far as the culture of talk radio, the literature and how it was in decline for a couple decades. I just think that, um, they weren't, you know, I mean, they were never hiring certain people to do the talking. And that's what's right. so beautiful about podcasts is that everybody gets a turn to have a voice, everyone who can do it, and so many more people can than 50 years ago. Um, but also just the the number of uh, chairs that were available where you could make a career out of sitting down and getting a broadcasting career going uh, was shrinking over the yeah, decades. Colleges and universities are adding podcasting classes and, and, and certificates now, and they may be adding programs down the line. Talk radio is alive and well again, and they call it podcasts. I mean, that's really what it is. And... I think that's great in particular for college and community broadcasting because talk programming has continued to have a home in these venues, even as it virtually disappeared 
off of the FM dial on commercial radio and was really uh, became very uh, marginalized on the AM dial to either basically sports talk Right. God yeah. bless sports talk. Because you need to have live human beings gross. to call a game. <laughs> the way that right wing um, talk radio. Or you need to have human beings who can, you know, talk about games. And then, right, mostly uh, right wing uh, conservative talk radio. It's not in, in some major cities in the U.S. There's still some kind of middle of the road AM like WGN or WLS in New York where they carry some Rush Limbaugh. But then they also have their own native shows that are just kind of variety not, talk not explicitly like uh pushing not, a kind of insane social yeah either either, either which way now right? live within deep deep within but even those have kind of faded away over the years um you know but and, uh, the idea that you could talk about any number of things right broadly outside uh, of public radio really um calling radio shows about gardening that was Brought, that was really, the torch was carried, I think, by college and community radio yeah. in the spirit of it didn't have to be this highly polished um, to the extent to which it was almost too clean, um, but also devoid of, of character, devoid of, of voices that didn't meet the standard Midwestern American broadcast accent. Yeah. That's where you would hear it. If you wanted to hear you know, somebody who is an actual union member or, or laborer talking about labor issues rather than a commentator uh, who may never have picked up you know, a hammer or, or a wrench a wrench or or ever served you know ever ever actually did hard labor uh, you would hit on a community radio community radio te- kept the torch alive for a variety of talk a voice a kind of voice especially in the 80s and, and 90s. i think college radio too yeah um you know an opportunity for young people to have to to try out uh, their ability to, I think, make that literature, right? Make that radio literature, the yeah. literature, voice literature, you know, and I'm sure sometimes cringeworthy, but also sometimes brilliant, you know, and, and college radio continue to be a place for young journalists to get their start because college stations more so than, than even I think community stations have held the torch for having some kind of news on air. And even if it's the so-called rip and read, Mm-hmm. where they're pulling uh, stories off a wire um, rather than necessarily doing all that strict reporting, having that practice of trying to lend some coherence, even in a four or five minute newscast to the events of the day is something that again, um, nearly disappeared from the FM airwaves outside of public radio. So and the, yet college students got, got the, have had the opportunity to do that in college radio. The earth's, largest community radio station that has ever existed is now on the air and it's podcasting but it's uh wildly diffused yes it's everywhere and nowhere right it's it's a million voices all at once and no one's listening to all of them but somebody's listening to everything (laughs) it's amazing exactly and you know the the opportunity to find an audience is enormous, but the task is you have to find the audience. They will not find you. They will not click a dial Paul and, and I hear have you. Talked about this offline. We've talked about this on our podcast and our radio program. It's a really, really unique and I'm going to say pernicious myth of podcasting that gets covered 
it it keeps popping up. Like there was a New York Times article this month. Oh my goodness! About how sad it is when a podcaster doesn't succeed. I just talked to someone in a private conversation uh, with with someone who had invested a huge amount of their uh, of their uh, nonprofit's resources in building a podcast, and th- they didn't get the audience they wanted, and that everyone's shocked. And, and the thing when is, the is audience that- doesn't. Um, Often I don't know what people consider to be success. <laughs> that was the thing. I do think it's a very vague notion. A hundred people is pretty good, guys. And nobody talks. And that's the funny thing, though. If yeah. you go to a college station or a community radio station, right. there is consideration often of audience. They, they want to be sure that you're making something for people, for listeners, right? And that there is some uh, evidence that there are people who might want to hear this program or benefit from it or that you're serving people in your community. And many times in community radio stations, this is uh, defined by the fact that you might be serving a language minority. You might be serving people who um, are very much into a particular niche of music that's uh, way outside of the mainstream of American pop and rock music. Um, You know, or can be towards information, can be where we want to do a program on labor affairs or environmental affairs well this is what you're saying right now i don't know if you finished your thought but a radio station exists in one place right and that's its superpower and when a when a talk program gets on the air in that one place it is so local and focused that it feels like you're doing the right thing when you're focused on this community i think so right small place and a podcast exists on the in the entire known universe, and it feels like you're failing if you talk about your you know, one city block. Right, and, and that's a wonderful point, because I think then sometimes the, the success of a show on a radio station is judged because you know you know the people who are listening, yeah. right? It's, it's not unusual for stations to have a presence at a farmer's market and, and, and all sorts of community events where they're talking to people. And if you heard five people come up and tell you how much they love the station, you consider that a success. And you figure that those five people represent some multiplier that there's more strangers and they probably out do there. and that's yeah. not a bad assumption right or if you get those three phone calls it's kind of a nightmare of podcasting of the lonely podcaster because the lonely radio producer can always dream that there's someone out there and may get a phone call yeah right but the lonely podcaster knows the number because it's not live and you don't have a phone typically that you're giving out and but also you literally know the number yeah. you know that today from was your podcast 12, host and that's and 12 and knowing that it's 12, knowing that it's eight, knowing that it's 32, not uh, 3,800. And, you know, it's so funny because you mentioned it too. Some podcasts probably have 3,800 listeners and they consider themselves to be utter disgraces because they had planned because on Because they're being comparing themselves to, to either one, podcasters who ended up being very lucky – and, yeah. and, and and it feels like podcasters mu- who launched from a massive public radio platform like this American right, or, but Life. I, or I really mean, but either, yeah, launching from a platform where there's money promotion behind it, uh, where there's where people already know your name, people already heard of you. Yeah. But I'm also talking about I think sometimes they look at the podcasters who were lucky. Yeah. Right. Sometimes yeah, those strikes. are the myth makers, the people who started out just like you and I with a microphone somewhere and, and, and some skill and some chutzpah and somehow, ended up somehow they a had a audience. network and that network, uh, that network grew fast. But well, that's confirmation bias because what you're not looking at is the hundreds and thousands of people 
who didn't do that. And so, many of whom, right, may still be podcasting along very happily yeah. with their audience of hundreds or a uh, few thousand. And you don't know about them because they are niche. They're below the surface. The people who love what they do know about them, but you don't know about them because they don't get articles written about them. They don't. Right. They don't show up in in charts such as they are. They aren't associated with a bigger name. Right. Yeah, we didn't even talk about how the but charts are there. structured for a kind of international or a national framework. Well, it's the way. same thing. I mean, I think people understand it with regard to music. Like, you know, they would talk often, you know, like the Velvet Underground is now a very influential band, but never were on the Billboard charts, yeah. right? Um, you know, you can say the same thing about lots of artists, musical artists who now enjoy kind of... I guess our point... Big reputations, one but po- who never sold enough records to be on a chart. One point, friends, is if you're podcasting, please adjust expectations and be proud of the work and i mean i think about i think about we had a episode um uh probably last year i I can i'll look up the number later but we talked to a podcast that that had a a listenership under a hundred people and and the point of talking to them because it was all about tabletop games that were launching on kickstarter and for that community of that community by that community that number was great and they continue to do the work, uh, proud of themselves and and comfortable in their success. And and about a hundred, you know, seventy five people was fine. And I it there needs to be more people in the world that podcast with that expectation. And that we and, and I think the more that people talk about it being okay and yeah. being great, but you know that's sort of our long run up because <laughs> it is because you know what I want. I started off saying that you know it's a great boon and opportunity for college at community radio because i think it's a great opportunity one to simply make your programming more accessible okay when you have talk programming on on your radio station and you do a program it's ephemeral yeah it's gone the minute you turn off the microphones if you record it and make it a podcast you now have the opportunity to reach many more listeners yeah it's a tremendous opportunity that still isn't exploited enough Second, often on on college and community radio stations, there isn't enough airtime for everybody who's interested in being involved. So it's an opportunity for stations to to help people kind of learn the craft through podcasting so that they might be on air or develop an entirely another channel, community podcasting, as we've talked about before here on Radio Survivor. I think that's another great unexploited opportunity. For for producers to get their reps in because, Mm -hmm. you know, every hour that you spend in front of the microphone. And by reps, you mean like repetition. Yeah. Like like reps in the gym. Every, I'm thinking about a, um, I came from an improv community a minute ago where that's what they talked about, where you, you needed to make sure that when you were studying, you got on stage once a week in front of any audience. It's like the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours. You got it. So yeah, people need turns. People need time in front of a microphone talking to other people to develop, to develop a a comfort level and a set of skills that make them better at the work of broadcasting. And a radio station can develop, you know, is a platform. It's not, you know, yes, it's a transmitter and, and a stream of either online or through the radio airwaves um, of programming, but also increasingly there are websites that people look to for information, for community calendars, for news. And so adding podcasting to the mix is a supplement. It grows your service. It grows the number of people who might be able to benefit because they don't use radio or they can't use radio the way that 
your your station works because the schedule for them is difficult to navigate. Or they don't live in your neighborhood, but they they're a part of your community. Right. They might live in the fringe of your of your reception area, and internet listening may not just simply work for them because they can't tune but, into but a live stream. Still, but they're still local. But they still want the local content. Yeah. Or they might be formally local. Or they have no radio. <laughs> or they might be formally local. Yeah. People right. who have ties to your community who may have moved away but would still like to be in touch or who are away temporarily. Or there yeah. may be a very big interest community in your local community that has tendrils that go out all over the place that could be around music, arts, culture, and all these things. And it can tie these tie folks together in a way that the air signal and even the internet signal, if it's live streaming, doesn't quite work for. Uh, imagine somebody who lives, you know, in Australia, trying who wants to stay in touch with programming back on the continental U.S. Uh, the time difference can make it difficult yeah. to keep keep up with it live. But podcasting gives you that opportunity to stay in touch, and and we see this happening now with commercial radio, iHeartRadio, Intercom, which is the number four biggest radio station owner in the country, Cumulus, the number two owner of radio stations in the country. Companies that we've talked about on Radio Survivor in the past because of uh, their size, their debt load, and their... Uh, Not all of them have debt load. Their, their, Not all of them have debt load. Their, uh, their, their, their negative impact on the culture of radio. Some of them have negative impact, yes. Some of these companies. Some. Um, they are all making big investments in podcasting yeah. right now. Uh, iHeartRadio recently, uh, within the last year, bought the network called How Stuff Works and has yeah. grown what they call the iHeart Podcast Network. Um, I, Intercom, just saw, I just saw them plugging a podcast on one of my late night TV right. habits. They made it on. They well, they they sent around this podcast to all of the late night TV shows. Yeah, because because he's because he's an A list. He were a A minus list celebrity. Exactly. It's Ron Burgundy, guys. Yes, which is funny. the The radio survivor connection to Ron Burgundy is that when they were promoting the the initial film, Anchorman, uh, Anchorman, before he became a podcast celebrity, uh, Ron Burgundy, played by Will Fer- Ferrell. Um, they sent around the cardboard cutout to every college radio station, and they still lurk. And yeah, so, You'll so see Jennifer, these photos Jennifer Waits, survivor. who travels, who travels uh, occasionally. I, I, Jennifer Waits is not a jet setter, but every time Jennifer Waits goes somewhere, uh, Jennifer visits a college radio station, and more often than not, we'll find a Ron Burgundy cutout. Uh, either dressed up in a hat or a lay or somehow ensconced in the college radio community just sort of lurking in the background and what a what a what a horrifying viral marketing <laughs> campaign that turned out to be a long vision viral marketing Indeed. campaign for iHeartRadio's uh before know, the I- podcast before the idea it ever 12, hatched 12 year uh 12 year gestation period for a successful viral marketing campaign that is still yet to Anyway, I'm being sarcastic. But Entercom just, uh, you know, which is a number four owner, just completed their purchase. Of radio stations. Of radio stations. Their purchase of Cadence 13, which they owned a part of, which is a company that sells podcast advertising, is now producing podcasts. Wow. So that that was that was all the big roll up today for well, 27 it, minutes on Radio Survivor. We've been talking I, about I, want, I really wanted to be in context. Yeah, I don't want people podcasts. to think that we're covering podcast industry right. news for its own sake. But it's it's yet another big story. Well, I, and I want to say a little more the, there. Yeah, yeah, but just putting it in co- more context yeah. is that a, a large radio company has made another investment in podcasting, and this has this is this is now the 
this is half a dozen times this year this has happened where big radio or somebody big has put some more money into podcasts yeah. than there was the year before. On iHeart Radio just announced that they're going to have a slate of like two hours of podcast source programming that they're going to cast out. This is my favorite part. Over over their radio okay, stations. Okay, so if iHeart Radio, formerly known as Clear Channel, the, the, the company that built the radio of the 90s that all of Gen X learned to hate, if they are now airing their fresh new podcast content on the radio at the same time that they're releasing on the internet, then isn't it time in the year 2020 for us to just call it radio? Yeah, It's just radio, friends. And what's fascinating- It's radio on the internet and it's radio on the airwaves. Is that they've been bringing, via this podcasting to radio track, Uh they've been bringing talk radio back to FM. Back to oh, so for instance, one show they've they've been uh, they acquired is called Disgrace Land, which is sort of like true crime and rock and roll. Wow, what we've gone full circle. So and it's been, it's been literally decades since since talk radio lived really on lived the FM radio in in, on, in on music stations. Yeah, I mean, there's FM talk stations now, but they're really just FM versions of AM talk stations. Oh, because these are these are music stations that'll take a little break. And play an hour of talk. So they've been playing this program, Disgraceland. Yeah. On their rock stations, unlike Sunday nights. The growth, the pod podcasts have hit such a level that they've put energy back into the culture of talk radio in commercial FM radio yeah. land. Yes, and they're going to be doing more of it. So wow, because we'll, I have because one of my pet theories, and I'm sure Paul, you have many more mm-hmm. things to say about the facts. But one of my pet theories of podcasting will take take um, one of the podcast's uh, early celebrity success stories. You get Mark Marin, and Mark Marin's WTF podcast was uh, built by a out of luck, recently divorced, you know, hit hitting bottom but not doing drugs anymore. A celebrity who had lost it all and had nothing left to do but to start uh, podcasting furtively, in his garage. Well, actually, fur- originally furtively using studio time That's at, right. at the, That's right. at the studios of Air America uh, because he still had keys. He didn't have microphones of his own. And the point of why do I bring up Mark Marin and his success in podcasting? Because he's grown the brand and he's sort of developed what, you know, he was one of the people that for some audience members introduced podcasts to the world he's the you know he was the first podcast that had a sitting president as yeah. a guest um that's right that after a couple of years of, of doing the work he had barack obama on on the podcast to sell the health care wasn't that the mm-hmm. one of the reasons anyway but mark Marin had a job on the radio that he lost that was my point. Mark Marin got fired from the radio, not because of uh, his lack of professionalism, but because the radio industry was not doing well and Air America tanked. And uh, Mark Marin wouldn't be a podcast pioneer. Hey, I'm sorry to use the word pioneer. I'll come up with a less colonial word someday. Um, but Mark Marin wouldn't have developed podcasting into what it was for him and his show if it hadn't been a failure at radio. And I think about Roman Mars the same way. Roman Mars should have gotten hired. Roman, Roman Mars, Mars, who produces 99% Invisible, which is heard on public radio yeah. and is also a very popular podcast. And I've been listening to Roman Mars's work as a podcaster from the beginning, but Roman worked at a radio station first. And if public radio in the early aughts had been healthy of enough of a workplace, which it wasn't. In the early aughts, we had gone through two and then we're about to hit a third economic downturn that was really you know 
crushing the amount of uh, available jobs for radio producers. And if and Roman Mars was a genius who was on the radio, who could have been on the radio, who had continued to like try to be on the radio, and there just wasn't a job for him. This is how I saw it as an out-of-work or a underpaid radio producer. And so he had to develop 99% Invisible as a podcast um, to get to get his work done. 99% Invisible could have been an NPR program, but it, it had to be a podcast. But first it is. Because, well, it's on public radio now. now it is, yeah. yeah. So he, it, it's sort of the same cycle. And I think that the um, there's a few other examples. I think Jesse Thorne is also another example. Of the Maximum Fund Network, who does um, uh, Bullseye, is yeah. his uh, flagship program previously, The Sound of Young America. And, and those started out as public radio programs, but he used that as a way to, as a wedge. Well, yeah, no, they did. Sound they, of Young America. It's turned into Bullseye. Yeah, but I mean, it started as a podcast. No, it started out on the radio. In the college radio? In college radio. In Santa Cruz. Into, in yeah, college radio but, into into public radio. Twelve ish years ago, the very first time somebody said to me, "You know what podcast you should listen to?" The very first time, it's the only time mm. a podcast has ever been recommended to me. It was Sound of Young America, and, and it's arguable that it found its audience through podcasting yeah. and gave him the opportunity to build a network around it with shows like Judge John Hodgman. But again, I, my I, my pet theory is that uh, Jesse Thorne, millennial, if he had been a Gen X. He would have just gotten snatched up by some public radio station and given a job to work in the radio. Or not. Really. I mean, I think for someone of, of Gen X generation, the jobs weren't there. Young Gen X. Young or old Gen X, right? I meant, uh, you know, early 80s Gen <laughs> X. Anyway, podcasting and radio have the industry, the health of one industry, I think, has definitely fed the the growth of the other industry. And now we're at this point where... Podcasts have uh, done well enough that they're coming back around as we've been talking on Radio Survivor. And there's a lot for community radio and college radio and people who are interested in community podcasting and broadcasting. There's a lot of lessons here to take because this is Radio Survivor. We're here for the love of radio and sound. And this is, you know... And community radio and college radio. Community radio, college radio, grassroots broadcasting of all types is what we're here for. This is what unites us and it what unites our listeners and our readers. Yeah. Um, we're here for this common love. I'm Paul Reismandel. With me is Eric Klein. And we do have a website at radiosurvivor.com. And you can hear past episodes of this show at radiosurvivor.com slash podcast. This is episode number 206. And we've made reference to various things. And we like to give you ways to follow up. So we'll have show notes there uh, where you can learn more about many of the things you've, we've talked about. We've referenced uh, past programs. So if you want to follow up on those, they're all there. And it'll be very easy for you to find. If you've got comments about the program, send them to us, podcast at radiosurvivor.com. Dot com. We are a podcast, but we are a radio show. We're, hold, we're, we're heard on more than two dozen stations around North America and Ireland, as well as Internet and Part 15 unlicensed, super low-power, legal AM stations. Every once in a while, we're on that shortwave station. <laughs> once, once, <laughs> once we were on that shortwave station. But, you know, I want to go back to the lesson here. Um, because, you know, the fact that that uh, commercial radio is re is re embracing talk programming. Has figured out via yeah. podcasting, and and I, I don't want to take the cynical viewpoint because there's a very cynical viewpoint one can take. Yeah, but I would like to I would like to then take right. this as a lesson for community and college radio because what it means is that there's interest, there's an audience, and and 
even though it feels like, well, just the big players are coming in and taking up space, it means nevertheless, there's new space for you to serve your community now. Because there are people who, for lots of reasons, don't know about your station, might never know about your station due to structural reasons, due to the fact that, that people use radio differently. Uh, they use it less than they used to, even if they still use it. Talk to a young person about radio. But there's this now this opportunity, this space in their podcast player, right? In their Apple podcasts, in Stitcher, in Overcast, in Pocket Casts, right? For them to find what you do. Now, increasingly, they, there's an opportunity for them to find it with a simple Google search. Google has greatly amplified uh, what they do with regard to podcasts. So took when them, you took s- them long enough, when you search now, and you it will give you podcast results, not just video and regular website results for topics. Google just announced now that they're extending this to make to drill it down to not just the podcast level. Up to now, mostly the results have been um, if you search like Ron Burgundy podcast, it's going to come up, or Bill Simmons podcast, or something. Now it's going to drill down to the episode level. So if you were to sort of search around and say, I'm looking for, you know, a podcast, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of interested in this topic of uh, mind control, you know, with radio waves, uh-huh. <laughs> which is like something which that was a, that was one of our yeah, that was one of our the most out there topics on a recent yeah. episode last this year. And then previous. you would be able to, it would bring this up. And also what what the, not only does it bring up the result but right there in the search results, you could begin listening oh, right away. Have you tested this out? No, it hasn't rolled out yet. Oh, gosh. It's because, rolling out. Because, yeah, I have so many questions. Uh, do you have to type the word podcast? I don't know. Because that would change everything for uh, well, podcasters Well, it, it is certainly the, the case that when it comes to YouTube video results, right. you don't have to search video. But but Google has a interest in pushing people towards the YouTube content. Yeah, that's where they I think Google has. Yeah, dollars. I mean, Google. Ha, you know, here's the thing: Google has to remain useful. Yeah. In addition to also pushing people to the content it owns, Bing or is right on their, right hot on their trail. Yeah. Ask Jeeves is, is Ask up. Jeeves. Jeeves gives me all my podcasts. He's my butler. Um, but I think that this is another ma- another great opportunity. Yeah. Because it's a way for you as a radio station or radio broadcaster or community broadcaster or or just any podcaster with a niche topic to get in front of people, right? To them to realize that they have an interest in yeah. what you cover and what you talk about for them to even know that you exist. And that's why we use in our podcast, we use show notes. So we try to leave a very fairly good verbose description of what goes on in our podcast. And then we have this list of links and topics that we cover in part that helps people find stuff, hmm. right? Yeah. It, 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 it is great for the person who wants to go and follow up on our website and, and, and learn more about what we talked about. It's also great for the person who, you know, subscribes to the podcast for free on like an, in, in Apple podcast or something like that, because then he can see what is this show going to be about or people who are perusing our website at radiosurvivor.com. They can see what it's about. But now it'll, it'll also help someone who is searching around in general, looking for uh, something on a topic that we might talk about to discover one of our episodes or one of your episodes. And I do think that that's a really great opportunity. And a, and a radio station, a community radio station or college radio station, by virtue simply by being of being a media outlet where people are going to look to you more often, search for your stuff to begin with, you're immediately going to have a leg up 
in those Google search results than a random new podcast page that goes up, right? You already have this advantage by being a community and cultural institution that people are already looking for. You will get further more leverage and people will find you more easily, I think, if you well annotate what you do on your podcasts. And so if you're taking your radio shows, especially talk radio shows, which are easier to turn into podcasts because they don't have music. Um, if you take those and you, and you make them available as podcasts, you're going to grow your audience, but that means you're growing your service because that's where the correlation has to be, right? There's a reason why you want to have audience. It's not just to be popular. It's just not to feel good about yourself, right? It is because if you are serving more people, with, with things that um, are outside of the mainstream that would with content and, and, and discussions that would not otherwise be out there and you serve more people, well, then that's part of your, your, your mission of doing good, I think, in a lot of ways. And I think that there's a real opportunity here to do that, right? To take this page from what we see happening in the commercial radio industry, you know, community radio and college radio and public radio in a lot of ways have been pioneers again, using, I'm, I'm sorry to use that uh, colonialist word. We need to find a new one. There's gotta be a word out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Podcast at radiosurvivor.com. Please you can tell help us, us with the word. Help for, us decolonialize for the, for the our person, words. For the person who starts something in a fresh and not inventor, Place. but somebody who is vanguard. Uh, maybe that's yeah. that's a political word. Podcast at radiosurvivor.com to help us come up with that word. I will use the word vanguard for the rest of the All show. Right. Uh, community stations, college stations have been on the vanguard because often they're experimental. They're a little bit more nimble. Sometimes someone can just start doing something. Like my radio show was a community radio Media show, geek. and I just started podcasting and I did it on my own. I, but I didn't really need the radio station to give me permission to do so or not do so. Right. Um, they were happy for you to do the thing that you, whatever were I wanted to do. Yeah. And they were like, you know, go at it. Um, and, and that too can be a, a, sure, a good, Paul, put your show on the internet. Yeah. Have in, a good time in with the that. year 2000 and two, uh, and two, yeah. I have to, I have to, I can't take that full OG credit there. Um, you know, I, is that, and then and, and to turn it around, you know, I still think there's that opportunity to develop new lines of programming, right? Fresh approaches that maybe for whatever reason you don't have space for on the air or perhaps it's a production that can't happen every single week and right. you have that, oh, gosh, that yeah. time to fill. Or maybe you want to sort of rotate the hosting or, or, or take experimental approaches that are a little more difficult to to pull off on the air, or as you mentioned, you want to get your reps in, right? You want to give these fresh producers an opportunity to find their voice and to practice, you know, as a, and then they can graduate to having more regular airtime, depending on, on what your station is like. And, and I, I know that there are folks who are in community and college stations right now listening to this saying, yeah, that's great. Well, you know, thanks a lot. We've thought of that. Who's got the time? I have 24 hours of radio to worry about, let alone yeah. you giving me an infinite number of hours of the right. internet now. That we're I'm running, we're to running manage. all this, ex, you know, we're, we're barely. Which was the reason that uh, my former coworker managers gave when I was like, why aren't we podcasting in 20, 2008? Mm -hmm. We should be podcasting more. And they're like, we don't want to open those floodgates because we have no, we don't have enough bandwidth. Right. 
and 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 I do understand that, and I think that um, it's it's something which I want to be both respectful of. I've been I've worked in community and college radio stations. I understand what it's like to to never feel like you get to the top of the uh, of of the pile. But I think it's also a great opportunity to use as a recruitment tool. Yeah, that Delegate. perhaps you're going to bring in more uh, fresh energy young people with a podcasting opportunity than you may with a broadcasting opportunity and that you know integrating that and making it simply an option if not a requirement may help to actually uh, reinvigorate what it is that you do um, especially in community radio where you may not always have the same influx of young people that you would say in a college radio station and possibly actively recruit for volunteers who would make this their mission and make this part of what they want to do with, with a real, um, with a real quid pro quo. Like there's a real reason why somebody might be enticed to podcast with their community radio station rather than simply podcast on their own. And that goes back to that audience question, right? We, we started off talking about people who, who start a podcast aren't able to find an audience, not sure how they find an audience, and, the community. and they're sad. It's an instant ability to plug in to a community and an audience. And yeah. it isn't to say that instantaneously all these people are, are going to say, hey, wow, I'm listening to your podcast and it's wonderful and I love it. But you may actually get a jump start. Yeah, even six people. Even six different people that six weren't going to find is, you before. If you started off with zero... Six is yeah. a six hundred, you know, six hundred percent increase, right? Um, it's real. Audience building is real. In and on top of the fact that the air signal is a promotional vehicle, right. iHeartRadio has very successfully been using its radio stations to advertise for its podcasts. That's a very new thing, but it's also, I understand, been quite successful. Yeah, they're kind of killing it. Right. I mean, they they grew some they grew some properties. Recently. Yeah. And it, and it may not be a one size fits all. It may not. You know, it is successful right now. It may require honing. You know, it may be a blunt instrument, but it may be less blunt when it's a community radio station talking about its podcasts about things of interest to its community on its airwaves and putting that on its website and vice versa. Right. I don't think we've we've thought enough about the fact that a podcast can and should be a gateway to a radio station. That understanding that a podcast that someone has happened on and you start listening to comes from this other entity. I I'm certain that people have been turned on to some of the bigger public radio stations right. as listeners because they first learned about the podcast because they first heard an on the media or they first heard of this American life that brought them and said, Oh, wait a second. Yeah, I didn't quite realize lab, right? that this is part of this other entity that does all these other things and that I can just turn it on and hear things like this. And, and when we say that you, you, you smile, right? Because we think about it. We're like, Oh, that, that seems horribly obvious to somebody who's in their forties who grew up with radio in a particular way. How'd we get so old? Um, we just keep it. We didn't die. <laughs> yeah. We didn't die. But I think that, 
you know, if, if you need further incentive as a college or community radio station or community organization or institution is that there can be the two way street that the podcast can help you to uh, grow the audience and grow sort of the, the knowledge of your radio station, but also grow the number of people who value it and grow the number of people who contribute to what it is that you do. The, the world of podcasts continues to grow at an exponential rate. As, as does the audience. audience. That's what I mean. I and mean, the audience is turning into looking much more like America yeah. in the United States at the very least. It's looking more like, rather than being rarefied, it's turning into the fact that there's podcasts for everyone and so more likely everyone is listening. In a certain way, right? Demographically speaking. So fascinating. I, this makes me want to go out again and just ask every single person I see what their podcast is. Because it's it's like what they had for lunch. It's Everyone's going to have a different answer. Mm-hmm. A lot of podcasts. A lot of people. So, you know. A lot of radio that people are putting in their ears. So there's a lot of news and there's a lot of hubbub and there's a lot of hype. And I think the, the reality behind the hype is that this is a growing medium that is here for people to speak to communities right. and constituencies, people who share interests. It's an opportunity for voices are less commonly heard to be heard. It's an opportunity for people to tell their own stories rather than having to feel like they need to be mediated by somebody else. And build people to build their own communities around a set of mm-hmm. shared values and ideas and then try to grow those communities and, and, and share their values with the with more people to it build is, movements. It is not a get rich quick scheme. Yeah. It is no more likely to, uh, to become the next, your, your next big, uh, people used to want to write the great American novel. Right. Exactly. When I was a kid, that was the joke. If you want it to be a small business, you'll need to treat it like a small business and it will have the same sorts of, of oper- you know, uh, prospects as a small business. I don't think you should think of it any differently than deciding you want to op- become open up an accounting service, open up a retail store or a thrift store or a thrift store or, or, you a know, laundromat, all these things or be, or be an online seller through a marketplace like right. Etsy or eBay or Amazon, right. Or being at our, or writing uh, eBooks for Amazon, right. I mean, if you want to be an entrepreneur or you want to start your own small business, treat it like a small business and you may have the opportunity to do so, but it's not turn on the flicking a switch and all of a sudden uh, here we come lightning strikes. People become lucky in all walks and some podcasters become lucky. But then if you're, if you're thinking more community minded, right? If you're thinking in the nonprofit region, right? There's the same opportunity. If you think you might want to create a nonprofit, a podcast is also another way to go about things. If, if, if communicating and reaching people and you're willing to put in that same time in that it's not, again, flip a switch and everyone's there. But if, you know, what would you do if you started uh, a community foundation? How would you get people to know about it? You would still have to do that work. Hopefully in 2020, we don't hear too many more of those stories. Oh my goodness. So that New York Times story uh, that you referenced earlier, uh, the rough... All I saw, I haven't even read it. I haven't even read it. But all I saw was the image of the young lady slumped sadly in front of her expensive microphone. It was a very with a puppy dog look on her face. That like, why didn't anyone like? It my was show? a very unfortunate framing, and that 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 lies on the on the author of the article. I feel yeah, badly the for editors. the young woman right. 
who became the un- oh, yeah. Twitter, unfortunate Twitter dragged them as unfortunate they say, as poster the child say. for the you know because it sounded like uh, entitled whining is how and it came off the, in the, the article. frame of this New York Times article was uh, how sad you 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 tried so hard and you still failed why and didn't pod- even try very hard why did podcasts let you down yeah wasn't that the f- is like- it is there no longer a gold rush yeah. and of course people in podcasting were like what gold rush. This is this is and to me I I think it is also most- defined success. She that 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 show might have been fine. Yeah, they might have been fine. But, but well, she sort of did in in the article say, well, you know, we were we had visions of quitting our day jobs well, okay. and right. So, no one should quit their day job. Well, she didn't, but Good. she had visions that she might. Yeah, but um, that's I think that's the takeaway of today's and, episode and, of Radio you know, Survivor. And that's I don't blame the the person who radio people know better. Who was the uh, <laughs> right? Well, I think the same thing would be said for anyone who started a small business. Yeah, it, you know that it takes time, and you know, look, that's that's life under capitalism. And let us not stand here and justify it. Let us not stand here and say, you know, that that's just the way it is and too bad. Um, let's acknowledge it for what it is and acknowledge it as a particular reality and that we're, we're not quite on the cusp of undoing it or overturning it yet. But yet there are models yet exp- unexplored opportunities, I think, for people to create media collectives um, around podcasting that yeah. that may really pan out and and i don't more know people, what more people have to find more people right right there's too much there's too much of a rugged individualism speaking in the well, microphone that's a great point i that i did not notice until you just brought yeah. it up eric because so we hear about these companies that are these small smaller podcast companies that are getting bought a gimlet pineapple street media which was recently bought by intercom and what these these were not just one person Okay, these were small businesses where uh, some enterprising leaders, young people in many cases, certainly in this case of, of Pineapple they can, Street, they can uh, they can get less sleep and work more hours. To, well, but I, I not even being cynical, yeah. I think if if you go to the Pineapple Street website and you look at, at the at the faces there, mm-hmm. okay, this does not look like the faces you see at the About Us at a public radio station, to mm-hmm. be frank, or at about most commercial media operations. Um, m- more diverse, younger, by and large. And, uh, and, and less, and less overwhelmingly male and, and in fact, more so much more female. And so I think that they did it together. Right. And, and, and the idea that we would make podcasts together, and it's not just my platform or me and my pals platform, but that it's about forging connections. And that's what I've learned from doing radio survivor doing this podcast in particular Mm -hmm. because of the fact that we're relatively guest driven and we're always interested in finding new projects, ideas, and people to talk with and research. And I think Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Waits involvement in, in the show and increasing involvement has really brought that to bear. Jennifer's network of academic radio friends has been a real boon, especially to 2019's season brought in our horizon and we have people we know we can call and who want to be on radio survivor and and it becomes much more of a community in that way a broad community yeah i i should say to the radio audience if you're listening like check out any of 2019's episodes where where radio survivor had a guest other than paul eric matthew i mean matthew's been great because he's rarely on or jennifer when when we have a guest when we have had a guest on uh in 2019 those have been some very special episodes where we've really grown the notion of 
uh, where sound is going and where radio has been and how it all fits into that word podcasting. It's been it's been a great. Uh, I don't know why I'm getting nostalgic for 2019. Well, let me let me give a pitch fall, here. Fall is coming. So going forward here, uh, we we also want to hear more from our listeners, from folks out there, and often you have questions for us. That's right. And we'd love to hear those questions. We'd like to do another episode where we answer your questions about radio, about podcasting, about the communications environment, about Herbert Hoover's involvement in the <laughs> Federal Radio Commission. Throw them at us because if we don't know them, we're going to go do the research. Yeah. And we'll, 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 we'll prepare. So send us that question, podcast at radiosurvivor.com or tweet us at Radio Survivor or drop us a message on Facebook. We're easy to find and we will answer them here on the air. And again, it might be things that we know about or maybe things that we know how to go find out about. Uh, luckily, we've got a lot of very skilled researchers here on our staff and we'd love to go find those answers for you. What do you want to know about radio, media, podcasting, audio? We'd love to go figure it out. Drop us a line, podcast at radiosurvivor.com, and we'll answer your questions here on the show. And of course, you can find the show at radiosurvivor.com slash podcast. Maybe you're tuning in on the radio right now and just catching the end. Well, you can go back and find out what you missed. Yeah, you can you, hear You can old say episodes. hi to us if you're listening on the radio. You can email us at podcast at radiosurvivor.com and just tell us tell us about your radio station that you listen to and what else do you listen to uh, out there we'd in love the to hear from folks and yeah. we, we answer emails <laughs> we really do anyone who's who, who's taking us up on the offer notes we actually do answer them we love <laughs> to hear from folks and we haven't been taking people haven't really taken us up on the voice memo offer too often that's okay but if you make a voice memo send it to us uh, we'd be glad to air your commentary as well we were heard on more than two dozen stations around North America and, and growing. the great yeah. country of Ireland. <laughs> and we yeah, definitely check out the Irish uh, pirate radio episode of 2019. I guess that's I'm making a mental note to put that link in the show notes because that was a real, that was a real barn burner. I it really it. was. For and border, so for border blasting, we really appreciate that you've taken some time again to spend with us. And uh, we wish you some more happy listening. Well, thank you for listening, everybody.